We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. In the challenging times we live in today, we believe that God's Holy Word is the single most important source to all the answers we need and are searching for. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7:24 that anyone who hears his words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on solid rock. It is our hope with this program to help you grow in your daily walk with Jesus Christ. Lift Up Jesus is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church in Los Angeles, California. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us today. Now, I know Christopher Columbus, for many people, some of you don't like Christopher Columbus, but he's kind of known as the guy that discovered America, although we know he did not discover America. There were people here, but when, when, it, when it says that he discovered America, it just means that he landed on the shore. And we say he discovered America. Well, there's all kinds of America he never saw. But he did see the shore. And it's kind of like that with Jesus. Well, I know Jesus. Let me tell you, there's a lot more about Jesus you can know. Well, I met him. Yeah, I know you met him, but there's so much more. And Paul says, I want to know Christ and I want to know him fully. I want to live every day living for Jesus. He doesn't have time to dwell on his past. Do you know how bad his past was? Do you know how bad his heart hurt that he had destroyed the church of Jesus Christ? Do you know how many Christians he actually literally killed? How many Christians he sent to jail? had beaten and how many times his mind must have gone back to that time where he was wrong and he was destroying the church and how much time he wasted doing the wrong things in his life which probably led him into a state of depression can you imagine actually killing someone yourself for being a christian and you have to live with that the rest of your life after you figure out that Jesus actually is the Messiah? Do you understand how many times that must have gone through his head? If he had constantly looked back, if he was always thinking in the rearview mirror of the things that he had done in his past, why, he would have never gone on all those missionary journeys. He would have never started all the churches that he was able to start. He would have never preached in all the synagogues that he preached in. He would have never been able to write half of the New Testament, which he wrote, if he was always looking backwards. Have you ever thought how God made your physical body? <laughs> you ever really sat down and thought how God made you? Did you ever notice that He put your arms on your body so that they can reach forward? You ever notice that? You ever notice how your ears curl 
forward. You ever look down at your feet and see which way God put them on your body? You ever really sit down and think about where God put your eyes on your head? Did he put them on the front of your head or the back of your head? Where did God put the eyes on your body? On the front. You don't have eyes on the back. Well, moms have eyes on the back of their head. But if you just look at the body, it's obvious that God made you to focus on what the future holds. In Luke 9, verse 62, Jesus said, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back, well, you're not even fit for service in the kingdom of God. Paul is so focused on the goal to know Christ. He can't look back. There's no time to look back. There's too many souls to save. There's too many churches to start. He can't cloud his mind with past memories. He's straining forward with every muscle and fiber in his body. His eyes are focused on the finish line. He's not going to stop and go talk to the cheerleaders. He's not going to go up in the stands and have some popcorn. He's got to forget about the guilt of when he persecuted the church. And when he denied that Jesus was the Messiah, he has to forget about the pain that he himself has suffered for the sake of the gospel. And he looks to the future, to the time where he will finally see Jesus face to face. He's advancing. He's moving forward. He's striving. He's pressing on, which means he's not going to quit. Write this down. He's specifically focused, but he's especially faithful. That's what these words mean. He's pe- to, press, to press on means there's going to be a lot of things that are going to try to get you to quit, but he's going to press on. Straining toward the prize. Again, to press on. It means to relentlessly pursue. He's not quitting. Do you know the the craziest thing about this text? The craziest thing about it. It's not what he writes. It's where he is when he writes this. Because when Paul wrote this, he's in a prison cell. He's over 60. Back in those days, you don't live much longer than 60. If I were in prison at this point in my life, here's what I'd be writing. Woe is me. I'm probably not getting out of here. This is it. Paul believes, even though he's in prison, he believes he's still in the race. It started back there in Acts chapter 9. He's been running for 30 years. He's done more in those 30 years than all of us will ever do put together. He's been on four missionary journeys. 
He's planted churches all over the known world without modern transportation and without TikTok and the internet. He's been beaten for his faith. He was, he was flogged with 39 whips five times. That's 795 lashes. In other words, if you could see his back in this prison, it was nothing but scars. He had been beaten so many times. He was shipwrecked three times. He was stoned and left for dead. He's been in jail too many times to count. He's been threatened. He's been persecuted. Even now, he writes while he's in prison. He's over 60. He might not ever get out. He's probably going to die soon. And yet, his assessment is, I'm not quite where I need to be. I'm going to adjust my focus. And with whatever time I have left remaining, I want to use every ounce of energy to press on towards the goal to which God has called me heavenward. If I get out of this prison, or if I never get out of this prison, if I only have 10 days left, or if I have 10 years left to live, I'm going to live every moment of every day focused on making a difference for Jesus. He's, he's not running with his legs. He's in prison. He's running with his heart. He's running with his pen. His words, his focus, his faithfulness. I guarantee you this. I wasn't there when he wrote this. But I guarantee you the very next guard who brought him some slop called food or tried to beat him with a whip, he would say, hey, before you whip me, let me tell you one more time about my Jesus. And let me tell you how you can know for sure that you'll go to heaven when you die. He was specifically focused, especially faithful. My last point, then he gives us this little admonishment. He's got a little word for you, for me. For anyone who really understands what he's writing here, he says in verse 15, all of us, everybody say all of us. All of us who are mature, now some of you aren't mature, so you probably don't even understand any of this, but if you're mature, if you're mature, if you're mature, everybody say mature. He says all of us who are mature, those of you that can really understand what's going on here, he says all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, God will make it clear to you. But only, verse 16, let us live up to what we've already attained. Verse 17, join with others in following my example. Write that down. We should be following Paul's example. Not living in the rearview mirror. But making an honest assessment. Making a, making a few adjustments and striving and pressing on and relentlessly pursue the things of God. And to not quit just because things got a little tough. To keep serving even if you get your feelings hurt. To keep witnessing 
Even if nobody wants to hear what you have to say, just keep witnessing. To stand on your convictions even when being forced to do things unbiblical. To keep giving even when you don't feel like giving. Sad truth. So many of us used to serve. We used to volunteer. We used to lead lead a life group. We used to tithe. We used to attend church. We used to be a witness. We used to study God's Word. And then a little storm came your way, and then you just threw in the towel and you quit. You quit the race and you blame somebody else. I've said this before. This church would be the world's biggest church if people just stopped quitting. Do you know who Emmett Smith is? He played football for those stinking cowboys. Nobody likes the cowboys. Everybody is pulling for the Steelers today when they play the Chargers. But anyway, Emmett Smith, he was a cowboy. And Emmett Smith is the leading rusher in the history of the NFL. He ran, he's the leading, he's the leading rusher all time. He ran for 18,355 yards. And every time the quarterback took the ball and handed it off to Emmett Smith, Emmett would get the ball. His goal was to score a touchdown, and he would run. But his average carry, his average carry was four yards, which is about where I am to the end of the stage. Now get this. Quarterback would take the ball, give it to Emmett. Emmett would get it. He wants to score a touchdown. He'd go about four yards, and 11 guys would tackle him and try to break every bone in his body. And he'd get back up, get back in the huddle. They handed him the ball almost 5,000 times. And every time they gave him the ball, he'd run four yards and again would get tackled by guys who didn't like him. And that's how you become the leading rusher in the NFL. You just keep getting back up, you keep getting in the huddle, you keep getting the ball, and you do the best you can. Most of us, most of us would get the ball one time Tackle you. That's it. I'm done. I'm finding another sport. (laughs) Don't ever quit. Let's stand. I have one more story. One more story. Come on. I got one more story. You got time for one more story? Are you sure? Okay. It's a good one. Don't be mad. It's about a genie lamp. Don't tell anybody I told a genie lamp story, okay? Raise your hand. Say, I won't tell anyone the pastor told a genie lamp story. Okay. So this guy, he rubs, he sees this lamp, he rubs it out, pops a genie. And the genie says, there's only one wish remaining in this lamp. You know, the story is you get three wishes, right? So the genie pops out and says, you got one wish. There's only one wish left. So the guy thinks, what's one wish? He goes, okay. He goes, here's what I want. 
He goes, I wish that I had a newspaper that was dated one year from now in the future because I want to play the stock market. <laughs> Poof, Jeannie's gone. And there on the table lies a newspaper that's dated one year in the future. He can't believe it. He picks it up. He turns to the financial section. He sees where all the stocks are a year from now. Oh, this is great. He goes, he gets all his money out of the bank, and he puts it on all these stocks. He's so happy. And he throws the paper on the table. And there on the back page is the obituaries. And he looks up at the very top. And there's a name there. If somebody died, guess who it was? It was him. You say, what's the point? The point is, every one of us has a date with death. I've told you this so many times the last two years, that God knew before you ever got here, God knew the day of your birth, and God already knows the day of your death. It's already been written down. It's written down. That's why I tell you, why do you worry about so many things? God knows the day I was born. God knows the day I'm going to die. Why would I worry about anything else? That, that date's coming at some point in the future, near future, for all of us. What's important is that however many days you've got left, stop trying to reach and grab and do all these things. Oh, it's okay, but the most important thing in your life should be to run this race called Christianity called faith in Jesus Christ. Give him everything that you've got. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you are in need of prayer, we invite you to call us at our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. Our Lift Up Jesus phone counselors are ready for any prayer requests you may have at this time. You can also contact us right now if you'd like to receive a copy of today's message on either CD or DVD. Our number again is 888-818-4777. For more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. Our website again is liftupjesus.com. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every week. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888 888- 818-4777. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. 
That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing, Rediscover a Simpler Faith in Our Complicated World. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of Scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, One Thing. These scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there, and this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything. I remember leaving the hospital crying and saying that all these people get to leave with their babies, except for us. When we got married, I didn't really want to have children. Um, you know, we were later in life, and we just kind of said, let's have our time together. And um, then just kind of out of the blue, I kind of felt like maybe I was missing out on something. We started trying to get pregnant, and she had uh, a couple miscarriages, and then finally got pregnant, and. We made it through the first trimester and um, the ultrasound and everything was looking good. Everything, you know, we were really excited and uh, we found out that it was going to be a boy and, you know, that only made it our joy even greater. Uh, her water broke in the middle of the night and we didn't really know what it was and that morning we went to the hospital and they basically told us it's time to terminate this pregnancy. Three weeks later, we lost them. In the midst of our despair and our darkness, we got a bulletin from her sister, from, from Shepherd, that a miscarriage support group was going to be starting. And so Tani contacted Shepherd, and we weren't, we didn't go to Shepherd. You know, we didn't, it was that huge church that, you know, we just felt we'd be lost in. We went to the first class and I could honestly feel just like a sense of peace and calm and to sit in a room with other people that hurt the exact same way you do. Um, it was just so like refreshing to, be, to know you're not alone. We actually started going to church and, um, and at first I felt like every song they sang about my pain and everything that they said at the service was about my pain I, I didn't understand it then but I think that's how the Holy Spirit was talking to me to letting me know that it's okay that he's got me but I think part of I think growing in your spiritual growth is you know there's a season for everything. So that season was so helpful for our healing at the time that it was there. So those women and those men, really we all helped each other and walked alongside of each other as we were growing, not only spiritually, but also in our healing process. And when that season ended, it was time for all of us to extend ourselves to others and reach out to others and share you know, what we have um, you know, the great gift I think that we have gotten and share it with others. We started our own life group and we designed it for couples 
and we moved into this, our home, we had to get a larger dining room table for the space. I mean, I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is it. This is like what I've been looking for, something big and sturdy, but it was kind of too big for just two people to sit at and... And then little did we know that God perfectly planned it that way. He said, you need to get this big table because one day you're going to fill it with seven other couples. So we had a vision that we were going to be mommy and daddy and with big sister and our little son and that's not what happened. So instead we have an extended family of seven other couples and it's always scary when you open up your home to strangers, you know, because at one point they were strangers and you never know how it's everybody, you know, how everything's going to blend and work together. But, you know, God said if you are obedient and you just follow, everything will fall into place. And just like He promised, it, you know, it did. And we now have an extended family. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again next week at this same time as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Mm-hmm.